Mm-hmm. We're back. <laughs> I talk softer now, so here we are, David Rollins. Uh, we met at the basketball court, right? Got a, you've got a true jump shot. Yeah, I, I haven't shot that well in a long time, man. I don't know what it was that day. Maybe that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I want to learn the secret. I want to learn the secret of the jump shot. I don't think you missed. Maybe well, you missed once and you called a foul on my brother. <laughs> he, yeah, just, yeah, he got a little pissed, man. He got like, pissed. Like, he, got he has a temper. He has He's like, temper. oh, how dare you call a yeah. foul on uh, in the pickup? And I'm like, dude, like it, you, you hit my hand, affected the shot completely. Like, I don't know. Like, sorry, dude. Anyway, um, I don't always call it, but anyway, let's move on. That, <laughs> that was fun, and uh, I had a feeling like I knew you somewhere yeah. like like i feel like we we're just like meant to, like it's kind of when you're like you feel like you know someone and you're just like wow like like i think you know what it is i've been probably reading your articles for a very long time oh like, awesome because oh, i read them i'm it's like my one of my main sources for uh researching miami finding new characters um yeah that's like one of my honestly the podcasts like my love of miami Partly fueled by how great Miami New Times is, like uh, much respect. Um, you know, I've lived in many cities, and you know, every city has a similar kind of local news organization. But I gotta say, like, you know, the the best things to do this weekend yeah. of Miami New Times—that's like a must-read. You know, like, and uh, you know, you gotta like supplement it with some other sources, maybe. But it's always great. Uh, that's just reliably there for you, like on a Monday or whatnot. But um, yeah, so basically every single podcast is kind of like a biopic. So like you, you kind of go through your your story, your biography, where you're born, all that, and uh, kind of like paint a picture of of your character and uh, right. what we can learn from you. So and what also you can discover maybe is next for you. So where were you born? I was born in Evanston, Illinois. Evanston, okay. Is that near Chicago? That is right outside Chicago. And then uh, when I was a baby, my parents moved here to uh, Key Biscayne, Florida. Okay. And uh, what did you do for college? You went somewhere else? Yeah, I went to uh, Florida State University up in Tallahassee. So that's... uh, yeah, that's, that's where uh, I had some interesting adventures. And uh, the first time I was published as a writer, I, I wrote for a couple of newspapers there. So that was, that was exciting at the time. Like, well, I get paid to, to write. <laughs> Is that your first time getting paid to write? Or? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I got, I, I wrote for this one newspaper, uh, the Florida Flambeau. It had been around for like 90 years. Like it had, a, this is like 1997, 1998. And they're like, Fort of Flambeau, serving Tallahassee since 1918. And then I was there for like a semester and they went out of business. <laughs> so uh, then I wrote for another newspaper uh, called Break. It was like a arts newspaper in Tallahassee. And um, I continued to write for them. I moved, I moved back here after college, saved us some money and moved with a buddy to uh, San Francisco to California. And uh, I was working jobs there, and I uh, continued to write for break until they went out of business, too. And then... Uh, happens a lot, right? In yeah, the, I guess so. In, I guess so. publishing space, whatever. Yeah. So did you remember when you were a kid, uh, like, your, your first love of writing? I remember, like, my family got off to that, like, I wrote, like, this, like, Harry Potter spinoff when I was nice. a little kid. And, like, my godmother was, like, a publisher. Like, oh, wow. like she was, like, head of a publisher, so, like... Honestly, it was like a really like dark, like 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 fiction. It was like really dark, but that's like the only time I remember really writing, and like that I guess was enough, <laughs> you know, like to like set some seeds in place. But yeah, I think there's probably some usually signs in your childhood, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I always I always loved reading. You know, when I was a kid, I, I loved comic books. I loved uh, you know choose your own adventure books. I love those, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess I always like telling stories too. And my my dad is like a big storyteller; like he loves to tell stories, and so I, I guess I grew up hearing those. And then, uh, yeah, I, the written form, I guess, is uh, I guess the way to make it the most concrete story. Because anytime you tell a story orally, it's going to be different every time, you know. So you, you write it down, and for better or for worse, that's it. Yeah, so in your, 
So, so when you were in San Francisco, um, I actually lived there for uh, like about three years, yeah, or not, a couple years. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful city. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what well, had you come back to Miami? Like, I guess what's the story of how you returned? Yeah, so I, um, I, well, after San Francisco, I lived in LA for eight years trying to make oh, yeah. it in the, in the film business. You know, I was telling cool. you, I, yeah, I did that hike through <laughs> the park, running canyon. I lived in Hollywood for eight years. And then um, I met the woman I fell in love with. I was visiting my family over Christmas. I met her and uh, things didn't work out at first. And then a couple years passed and uh, we tried again. And I was like, she was in school. So uh, I was like, all right, so I guess I got to move here to make it happen. And so I did, and we're we're uh, we're still here. You got <laughs> well, kids now. Yeah. We got yeah, we got a nine and a half year old daughter. <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, I guess L.A. What? How do you? I mean, you said you make it in film. Are you like a screenwriter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, I moved there. I, I did some film classes, and then um, I got a job working for these two producers, and. Um, they had me reading scripts every day. I had to get their lunch. I had to do all the, you know, all this, you know, buy the groceries in the office, all this stuff, answer phone calls. But but one of my main jobs was I had to read all the scripts that came in and um, give coverage. You know, I had to do like basically book reports on the scripts so they didn't have to read them. They knew what they were about. And I tell them like these scripts are all garbage. You know, I could do better than this. So they gave me a. Uh, they gave me the opportunity to uh, to write a script uh, of a movie. Uh, I don't know if you heard of this dog, Rin Tin Tin. You heard of him? Yeah, he's a he's a, he was like before Lassie. He was like the number one movie star in America in the 1920s. He was like a dog. So I wrote I wrote the true story, and they actually made a movie out of it. It took a couple of years, but they actually made a movie out of it. And I was like, all right, I made it. I'm going to be rich, you know. I'm going to make it as a filmmaker. But uh, I've had a lot of stops and starts. I haven't had movie number two made. But that movie's out. It's a kid's movie. And it's, I think it's on Peacock or something. It's on various streaming services. You can watch it later. You yeah. can watch it on all Peacock. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Rin Tin Tin? Finding Rin Tin Tin. Finding Rin Tin Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wrote that. That's my, uh, my claim to fame. That's your, you think that's your most successful work, or probably most watched, or most read, or, or most viewed, or? It's the one I got the most money from, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way to quantify things. And I sure. guess, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess there was the most money behind it. There's like actors people have heard of in it, so I guess it has the most legitimacy <laughs> okay. of anything. I guess, yeah. So I, I read you have two books. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like End of the World and like Yo Yo or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Interesting. So when did when did you first write your first book? Was it End of the World? or? So I wrote my first book. I started when I was young, like you. I was uh, 16. <laughs> I was walking on the beach, and I had this idea for a book. Um, actually, I had a, it was an idea for a movie. It was going to be like a epic, like, trilogy, like, three-part thing. But to, to my credit, to my demeanor, I never wrote the trilogy, but I wrote one whole book, and... Between 16 and 17, I, wrote, I sat down and wrote that whole book. It was called a, a King's Tale and Other Generic Stories. And it was about a kid named Arthur King, kind of like you, I guess, like supernatural, you know, like you said, you wrote a Harry Potterish. This was like a kid who an alien comes and gives him this ball and anything he imagines can come true. So he makes himself king of the world. And uh, so I, I like sent it out. I was like, hey, I'm a 17-year-old kid. I wrote this great book, 18-year-old kid. And uh, actually, I got a lot more uh, responses than I did as like a, you know, in my 30s trying to get an agent or whatnot. I actually got a lot of response, but nothing, you know, I guess I was kind of green, you know, I wasn't professional yet. And then I wrote another book and another and another and another. And then, so there's uh, been many. There's it's been not, many. There's been just, many. Yeah, are those yeah, yeah. two that I found out about? Yeah, are those are the only two that are out. Those are only, no, there's what a third mean? one. So there's, the ones are not out? Yeah, they're in my desk drawer. They're on my ah, computer. Okay. Many yeah, authors yeah. do write books they never share. That's yeah. for sure. My dad wrote some stuff. And did he? We're like, where? He's like, yeah, I gave it to you. I was like, what? You don't remember where these are. But yeah, I mean, like a lot of writers, it's not uncommon to not share your book or to forget about it. Yeah. So. What was your dad's book about? Oh, I don't even know, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, 
I think there's a lot of people who write books that go nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it's a good practice for sure. I mean, my book, my guidebook is like a yearly practice now that I do. Um, and so every year has a theme. And like this year's was about fortitude because last year was so difficult for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And then um, what's cool is like I'm designing a ritual every time that's getting more and more detailed. And uh, you know, obviously I'm a big ritual designer. So next year it's going to be all about playfulness. Right. And so this whole year now is like a whole, um, it's playfulness year. And it's going to culminate in a release of a book about playfulness. And then I'm going to move on to next year's topic. But I, I commit to writing a guidebook every year. Are you going to have a part about playfulness about basketball? I mean, basically, the way I theme it is it like 22 virtues every time. Okay. And they each have metaphors and they have rates. Rates are like ideals that I designate. And then and it makes life a game a little bit. And then there's challenges and uh, a lot of things. So but basically, because of this format that I created, you know, one of the virtues could be basketball. And then I would just like write an intro about basketball and then like some certain ideals, challenges, metaphor. Um, I mean, like anyway, so like next year is going to be a lot about synchronicities, how to enjoy. I, I think. There's nothing that I, I think it's awe. I think I think really what what it comes down to is how to live an awe-filled life, right? uh -huh. and that means being in the now. That means being in wonder, being in surrender, and not needing to know how everything happens necessarily, right? And uh, so yeah, it's gonna be basically next year's book is gonna be a lot more fun. This year I wrote it actually more for. Uh, people at the margins, so you know, people in prison, people in mental. It, it, in the book, there's no need for money or anything. Like, there's no talk about diet. There's no. It's really bare bones. Like, you could be in a prison cell and still utilize this stuff. And so that's kind of like the mindset I wrote it in. And it is more of like a pamphlet. It's more of like a. Yeah, it, it is more of like a like I'd say like a pamphlet or something like that. It's a guide, you know. Like, but what's cool is it's. It's a yearly thing, so. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, man, how awesome basketball is, right? Like, you, you got the Michael Jordan poster up there, but I was thinking there's no other way, like, as people, I mean, I guess, I guess women are kind of excluded from it, but, like, I mean, you go to play tennis and you go to play golf, you know, it's very exclusionary, but you go out to the basketball court, which is the ball, and you make friends, Yeah. right? It's kind of amazing, like, there's no other thing like that in society, like. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, is there anything else that, that's like no. that? Right? Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, here's the thing about basketball. It's very easy to play by yourself. Because first of all, I kind of have to go around the world and, and warm up before I'm in the mood to even play. Like you guys caught me at a good time. I did my little around the world, and I was ready to go. That's why I shot so well, by the way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. But like a lot of the other sports, like you can't throw a football to yourself. You can't. Yeah, true. You know, you can go to the driving range and practice your drive Hit against yeah. the wall for tennis, but can you really get make some friends on the driving range that easily no people are in their own kind of like so like it has the the, the do it, it has the open-endedness of oh i'm gonna go and, and enjoy shooting and i may meet some friends and i may do a podcast with someone <laughs> and i meet and it's just yeah, kind of beautiful yeah, right yeah, and like yeah. thank god dude like it's been a drought yeah. i haven't done a pod but yeah, yeah basketball is a wonderful sport guess what Lenten season, like right now, what we're in right now is like spring. This is basketball season, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, true. Yeah, baseball yeah. is starting, sure. But right now, it's all about March Madness, NBA Finals. So, like, yeah, it's a big time for basketball. So, like, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely, you know, in the seasons right now. Um, and so, so we're talking about how you, uh, you basically wrote a lot of books that went nowhere, but but what would you say? Like, how do you first of all describe why like the end of the world and yo-yo? Those went yeah. somewhere. Those became something. Yeah. How was so, that? Um, so okay. So I self-published one of the books I wrote like a long a long time ago when I was younger. This this one called Deadbeat. Um, I tried to make it. I wrote a script of it too. I tried to make it into a movie. So I was like, I was like, all right, let me try to self-publish it myself. But I kind of hit a wall. Like, basically, just like friends and family bought it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a cool, that was a cool book. There's a cool story. It's about a, a private investigator here in Miami who's, uh, hired to find his own son he abandoned 20 years earlier. So was, I always thought it was a great story. And, um, so I, I published it myself. I had a good friend of mine make the cover. 
And um, so yeah, that was like 2012 or something. I did that 2013, something like that. And uh, then all of a sudden, my daughter was born in 2013, and um, I was like, you know, daddy daycare at home. You know, <laughs> my wife, my wife was at work, and I was doing my writing, my freelance writing jobs. And I was watching her, and, and all this time I was kind of like, I don't know, because I had so much responsibility then, I guess I was like formulating in my head a time when I was like my most free, which is when I moved to California with a friend, and I had, you know, I just brought the stuff in the back of my car, and that was it. You know, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing going out there, and so I was going back into that time in my head, and... I don't know. So I, so I kind of wrote a fictionalized version of that. I imagine these two guys, instead of moving from Florida to California, they moved from California to Florida in uh, 1999, the end of the century. And I don't know if you remember, I know you're a bit younger than me, but um, like 1999 was like this weird time because nobody knew like what was going to happen on December 31st, 1999. They were like, oh, is Jesus going to come back to earth? Is the world going to end? And the other thing was like this Y2K thing mm-hmm. where um, they thought all the computers would collapse because they wouldn't have the dates right. Like they would all not, like planes wouldn't remember how to fly because they wouldn't know what to do once they hit 1231.99. They wouldn't know what to do when it comes next. So I, so I had this idea at that time because it was a time, the only time since then, this book came out in 2018, the only time since then, I mean, COVID was kind of like that. We didn't know what was going to happen. You know, everyone was like, what? You know, everyone was we're on uncharted territory here. And like 1999, I felt a little bit like that too. So I, I, I thought I'd have the book take place back then. And two guys just moved to Miami and they come here uh, searching for the fountain of youth. Mm, it is here, actually. That's kind of funny. Yeah. no, the, It's the ocean, fact. mostly. The ocean, the, the ocean sun, be. Yeah. diversity. The, yeah, Yeah, because like Ponce de Leon, he came here looking for the fountain of youth. He came to Key Biscayne and uh, he was searching for it and... We'll never know if he found it. Maybe he's out there on the beach running out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, they came here, and then what happened? So they come here, and um, one of the guys, Jay, so one of the one of the, the main guy, Matt, is uh, his girlfriend just broke up, and his buddy Jay is like an opportunist. He, like, knows... He's ready for anything. He's ready to leave town. He's ready to leave California. So he's like, let's go to Florida. Let's come to Florida. So Jay is kind of a, a schemer. And Matt's kind of like a searcher. He doesn't know what to do with himself. And uh, Matt rents an apartment in Coconut Grove, finally with a strange roommate. He gets a job uh, working at the borders. And he, uh, he kind of finds himself. And uh, spoiler, I guess. I guess the book came out five years ago, four years ago. Um... The book ends, it's called The End of the Century, and uh, the book ends with them counting down. Five, four, three, two, one, and it's the end. It's the end of the century, the end of the book. Nice. And were most of the book sales like Miami people, or how did you market it? What was the making it a success of marketing? How, how did that happen? Um, so, yeah, we, we uh, so a local publisher published a Jitney Books. Um, so we had a nice reading at, at uh, Books and Books. In Coral Gables, mm-hmm. we had a nice full room, and then I, I had uh, my editor at the time at Miami New Times was kind enough to run an excerpt in the paper of the stories. That, that was huge, and then uh, I had an awesome night. So I've been writing about music all this time. So at the bar Gramps in Wynwood, mm-hmm. so I had I had this great night. Um, I didn't sell too many books of the night, but it was a, I think it was a fun night for everyone. I asked a lot of musicians I knew I'd written about over the years. I asked, hey, would you be willing to play a night for me around the book? You have to play one song, one cover song from 1999, and you can play your set. So uh, I had a lot of uh, great bands play that night. And, and one stand-up comedian, I told them he had to uh, make jokes like it was 1999. So we had a fun night that night. And uh, yeah, we've been... We've been uh, We've been setting up tables around town. We've been doing fairs. We've had tables at the book fair the last couple of years. How long so, ago did you, was that out? That book came out, oh gosh, 2018, I think. Oh, yeah. Not that far along. And then Yo-Yo came out a year and a half ago. Yo-Yo came out. So what's, all right, in more of a nutshell, what's, what's the Yo-Yo all about? Yo-Yo is a, a comedy about the world's greatest yo-yoer, Benny James. And uh, 
he uh, becomes a vigilante at night with his yo-yo fighting crime. And, uh, <laughs> the first draft was a little edgy. Um, I wrote that one a while ago, too. And, and J.J., the publisher, wanted to publish another book of mine. The other century did pretty well. So um, I was like, well, how about yo-yo? So I, I kind of cleaned it up. I wrote it. He was kind of, yeah, he was having sex, doing drugs, and I kind of like, I was like, let me make this like all ages friendly, you know? So I took out all the curse words, I made him a little more wholesome, and I, I think it's something, you know, it was funny, at the book fair, all these, um, my biggest sellers were all, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but all these like middle schoolers were buying the book. You know, they're all lining up, and, and we had like, our publisher, we had 13 different books, and they're all, they're all going for yo-yo, so that was kind of cool, I hope, I hope, uh. They and their parents approve of it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's you. You widen the potential scope of your audience, which is very important. I think that's. Uh, I mean, it's nice. Have you experienced? Um, you know, have you gone about marketing it yourself when it comes to like social media or Facebook marketing, stuff like that? Yeah, it's tricky. Um, I have. Yeah, I have. I. I but we. I found. Like events like I feel like people buy the book in person They're like oh you're the author they buy the book I feel I felt like so far in my experience that's that's been the best way to sell books like like I, I know our publisher was written up in uh Jitney Books was written up in Publishers Weekly which is the number one you know publication about about uh publishers and how, how many books how many sales came out of that magazine article do you think it was a nice feature story beautiful feature uh, story like 5,000 <laughs> Zero. Zero. We didn't sell a single one. So uh, I don't know. Maybe we're doing something wrong. But yeah, yeah we found the best way to sell books is we, we've gone to like events and stuff yeah. and have a table and people come, oh, what are these books about? We have like nice covers. How much does the book cost? Um, 15 bucks. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I, I should have brought some over. But uh, next, time, next time we play basketball, I'll bring one. Cool. And then uh, Jitney, like, so... What's the process like for how fast is the turnaround on like printing? Because like I, I got a book, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to print it, so, yeah, especially yeah. so I can give it for free to like, you know, mental mental hospitals or, or prisons great. or places like that. That's what I. That's the people I really want to reach, you know, um, like for free. And then I like to do some seminars on it. Like, there's 22 virtues, and you give me one hour. I can, you know, I can do like a Tony Robbins, like one hour Perfect, seminar, yeah. like kind of like, well, it's all based on the circle of life. So I discovered there is like a circle of life of, uh, you know, certain, well, you learn to learn about things like, uh, well, basically it follows the seven deadly sins, basically. You conquer every single deadly sin in order to live forever, basically. And um, the last Pitt, one is, Pitt would be proud of that. last one is wrath to gentleness. Is the one that's the last one. Yeah. When you find yourself being gentle with your family, that's when you've arrived. Because they're some of the hardest people to be gentle to. It's true. People who have seen you at your worst. Are you able to be gentle with your family? I still have moments where I yeah. flare up. Like I, I was flared up on my mom the other day because yeah, like it's tough. she's like, "No, you can't travel." I'm like, "Mom, I'm 30 years old. I do whatever I want." Like, like but it's just like yeah. Sometimes family has like these nightmares of like, oh. You went and lost everything traveling one day, like you know what I mean. Like that's my yeah. that was my weakness in my twenties was my love of travel, and now I realize, yeah, you really got to budget it out properly and <laughs> you have mature. And but also, the more you find your place of service, the more you conquer that uh, escapism. Really, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with travel. I love to travel. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd like to go to Rio soon, but I think the more you do find your place of belonging and and service, the less you need to escape. You know, and so that's something I've learned recently is investing more in my service here in Miami, you know, like teaching yoga and, you know, like leading half, like remote worker, like connecting, basically welcoming a lot of new people to the city. That's what I do. Nice. And so I feel like a nice you know, fulfillment from that. But yeah, I still flare up at family occasionally. And that's and that's where I know, like, I still have work to do, you know, but like when that's when like if I haven't had a flare up in a few months. That's when I know, like, OK. It's coming. I've reached a new, a new, okay, a new point okay, here. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. It is, it is something important to note that, uh, you know, with great, um, ah, great humility, great uh, spiritual power comes immense gentleness and kindness, right? Um, you really do kiss the ground with your feet at that point. And, uh, you know, I even do that. Like, 
when I run. And kissing the ground with your feet means putting your heart into every step and little things like that. But, you know, opening your heart in that fashion. And, and I do that. But again, it's those moments with family, especially if you go back to, if you go back to your home in a situation where you've had bad memories or uh, you've exploded, you know, you're just in a certain environment that can be, you know, kind of, uh, it can be inducive to um, some flare-ups, you know, because you have to get out of that, uh, I guess, that inclination to go back into your old ways, right? Well, it's interesting when I think about it this way, like, my daughter's nine now, and it feels like just the other day, like I was changing your diapers. You know what I mean? So I still have that thing. Hey, I change your diapers. You can't talk to me like that. So, like, I imagine, you know, I'm 44. Like, I imagine my mom is still like that about me. I, I was just changing your diapers the other day. Like, you can't, you, you know, you got to listen to what I'm saying here. Yeah, family, man. So, yeah, I mean, there, that's forever interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the gen gentleness. Anyway, the circle of life is a real thing. And um, it does kind of turn on itself because every day is like a circle of life, right? And uh, you do start with certain things like, uh, um, you know, I, I think it was a sloth. I, you, you start with control. There's, I, I even forgot it already. But, like, no, it's all in my book. If you want to go to simbaguybook.com. Simbaguybook, all right. And that's just the ebook version. That's just, like, bare bone freaking screenshots. But I'm going to work on with you maybe. I'll find out how to do it. Um, yeah. Looking forward to getting, like, a, a pamphlet or something. You know, it is like a self-help pamphlet it's, guidebook. It's very practical useful it's kind of like something you could take to the beach and it could it could transform with some space in there for writing out like active adjustments that you're going to make like taking action upon these suggestions and like there's some space for taking action and actually transforming your life with with, uh, with these virtues so i do still care deeply about it but you know i'm more focused on miami right now and in this podcast season so I'm curious, how did you first uh, get connected with Miami New Times and writing with um, So I ran into this uh, woman I knew from high school, Liz Tracy, and she was just named the music editor of, uh, they used to have a sister paper, Broward Palm Beach New Times. So she was the music editor then. And um, hey, I was like, hey, do you need a writer? Could you use one? I, you know, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't written journalism in like 10 years since like college or right after college at that point she's like yeah yeah I, I could use you so I was uh it was it was perfect for me because it was something I could do at any time you know during my daughter's nap time and um so yeah I was I was intense I was like writing a lot of stories and she gave me a lot of leeway it could be anything about music and, and they needed a lot of uh material then they needed like three stories a day mm. so I was pretty much writing a story a day and and she let me write fun things like uh like Billy Joel was coming in town and you remember that song we didn't start the fire yeah so like I wrote like a silly thing like we didn't start the fire like the next verses you know like I, I did like you know instead of like I I'm trying to remember the lines it's like AIDS crack homelessness we didn't start the fire you know he says all these <laughs> all these things from every year so I kind of did that like Monica Lewinsky OJ Simpson you know something like that so that was like a fun one I wrote but like it was mostly uh concert reviews and then, like, so you get so you I started go with that. for free. Yeah, uh, I, I got paid. I got paid to after after write that's about. That's pretty it. dope. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So like a couple of weeks ago, I reviewed uh, Bruce Springsteen at the Hard Rock. So that was that so was, they just pay you to go to the shows, and you that's a dream job, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a huge music. <laughs> Volley doesn't pay the rent, but no, yeah, I have, I have some dope, other writing yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. It, it pays a little, you know, it pays for for the groceries, I guess, but not the rent. But yeah, it it it's it's fun, and and I I, I love music. I love talking like it, like what you're doing i'm on the other side i'm interviewing them and so uh, you you go how do you uh, so what's been one of your secrets maybe of connecting with these artists um yeah a, lo a lot of times they or their publicists reach out to me hey can you write about them really um yeah yeah um and, and i've got i've gotten to i've gotten to interview some a lot of my musical heroes i got to interview uh isaac brock and modest mouse um tribe called quest i got to interview uh nice. Them. He has he has like a night in Wynwood at one eight hundred Lucky. I got to interview him there. Uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. I got to interview. That was huge. David David Crosby who just passed away from like Crosby, Stills and Nash. I got to interview him a couple times. Uh, the Pixies. I love the Pixies. I got to so. How many him. of these reached out to you versus you proactively? Uh, 
I, I don't know how to give a percentage. Um, I don't know. Sometimes, like, I'll see, like, a concert coming in town. Like, like I didn't get to interview him, but I, I went to the concert. Like, Big Thief. I like that band, Big Thief. So I, I, I pitched to my editor. I was like, he's like, oh, no, we already got someone covering that one. So that, that's one I went after. But a lot of times my editor, my editor will come after me, like, hey, do you want to write about this guy um, or this woman? And then sometimes the publicist will come to me or the, the artist will come to me and say, hey, can you write about my new album or can you write about my concert coming? And I'll, I'll pitch the editor, hey, could you use a story about uh, this band or this DJ or this rapper? And that's how it goes. I'd say, I'd say it's probably 50-50 oh. the editor comes to me or I go to him. Not bad, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's, uh, I think in the future, I'm, even with local voices, I think it's going to be more like that. I'm going to start doing more marketing towards entrepreneurs, you know, who want to like kind of like capture everything they offer in like one hour, you know, like kind of put a nice, uh, yeah, I, th I think it's like a showcase, basically. You know? yeah. and, uh, I'm looking forward to getting a fun picture of you maybe somewhere, maybe in your place of work. I'll come to your office. Maybe, maybe check shooting it out. hoops, maybe, maybe yeah. get me hitting a three. Is that what you want? All right. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, all right. So, you love basketball. This is how this all started. So, like, what, yeah. what's the story? Like, uh, did, were you, like, crushing it in high school? Or what's going on, man? Dude, I was just, I was just saying to my wife the other day, because I was telling her how much I love basketball. I didn't play for three years. Uh, COVID, I didn't play. I got into tennis. I got back into tennis. And Why did that stop you? The courts were open over there. They were closed, actually. Oh, actually, you're right. You're right. That pissed me off. They took the baskets off, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was terrible, man. And then, and then I was also paranoid. I was paranoid about getting COVID, too, you know, for some of that time. And I was like, oh, where, where do you have more closer contact to someone than playing basketball, right? It's true. It's true. I, I mean, so, so I, I stayed away. And then I was like, what the f Can I curse? Sure, man. Okay, sure. I was like, well, I'll, I'll keep a family. I, what the heck? You know, why, why am I playing tennis? I love basketball. I can still, you know, as long as I still can move around a little, you know, I won't always be able to play. Let me let me enjoy these last years of being able to play basketball. So I've gone back into it. And, and yeah, I love, no better feeling, I think. You know, it's a cheap thrill. And, and no, right? no, no, hey, that's you know? honestly, I credit basketball to uh, a lot of my flow is like, Something about just seeing it go in all the time, man. Like, yeah. it's nice, dude. Like, Making a great pass. You, know, you work out the kinks by is. yourself, too. When you, yeah. it's an opportunity to, so flow is something very scientific, you know? Like, you get flow from cooking, right? Like, it's really just successful touches in sequence. And so, when you can make a bunch of shots in a row, it feels great, man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, like, I love going around the world is a game I'll play forever, cause, or for myself, because it's like a warm up. It's a, uh, working out the kinks it's a observing success you know like like i start most of my saturday as way like i don't always even play two on two like i sometimes i just go around the world and i'm satisfied because i i always here's a tip i always have to make at least three in a row before i leave okay yeah and that's a tip about life get through the tough like end on a good note like you're reading a book and it's like going through a shitty part like get to the where it gets a little better and then stop reading for the day like like end on a good note. You can do that with a lot of things. You'd be surprised. You know. I heard I heard good advice about writing, which I try to keep with when I'm writing something longer, like a book or a screenplay. And it's it's along those lines. It's like, don't finish, don't stop for the day when you're out of ideas. Always stop when you have like one more idea left, mm. because then you can know where to go. When the you momentum sit down the in the morning. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So with with new times and. Uh, like when you, when you write about these people and you interview, where do you interview them typically? Like you on go, the phone, on the phone. Oh, it's all Sometimes Zoom, but I prefer phone because it gets kind of awkward because a lot of times I'm writing, you know, I'm writing what they're saying. So like on the Zoom, they're like, they're like how come you're not giving me eye contact? It gets a little awkward, I, I feel like on the Zoom, but like the phone, it, it's it's easier because I don't know what you're doing like while you're, while you're interviewing them, you know? And uh, so yeah, phone, I, I've done some in person, but um, yeah, person's cool too. But that's also, that's also, they're kind of like, okay, why aren't you writing that part down? <laughs> you, know I mean? you, don't you don't record it? Sometimes I record, but usually I write it. Usually okay. I just write it. And um, yeah, I know Judd Apatow, like, got his start, like, like, interviewing everyone with a recorder, like, all his idols. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I have a saying, like, like, the second you record it, something, it becomes art, you know, like, like just putting something out there, you know, like. And, uh, well, there's a lot, a little few things that come, uh, with art, but yeah, I think, uh, 
basically like what I'm what I'm curious about is also your maybe your process about exposing yourself to you know what are your sources like, like for like what are some maybe sources that you have that are unique because Miami New Times is a source for me yeah, yeah to yeah. be curious about Miami who to interview whatever what are some of your maybe unique sources that you have um as far as, as finding about music or about Anything? Uh, yeah yeah it, like first stories or yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting huh how like social media has kind of become a source you know like sometimes i'll see people post something on facebook or, or instagram or twitter and, and I'll, I'll i'll check them out a lot of times like i say i get emails um or like what are some of your favorite like, weekly daily emails I'm, I'm i'm all about like, newsletters and stuff. i love like the roar i get i read the bible in the morning your times uh -huh. like pretty committed to some key I love, I think I actually aspire to well, turn my book into a sequence of emails people can get, but also someday I'll, I'll have emails going out. I think email is where you do, you get into someone's life for real when they subscribe to your emails. For sure. Huh. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's a sign. Cause like, you know, you can sell books, you can do podcasts, but like email lists are legit. Like email lists that are respected are legit. They're yeah. legit. They get into people's lives, like for sure. And they're helpful. Interesting. And I, I'm very thankful for the emails in my life. So um, do you, yeah, what are some emails you subscribe to? Maybe you can share. Um, let's see, as far as emails, I, you know, I think the only one, I don't even subscribe. I just constantly check it a little bit. It's weird. It's, it's just been the last couple of weeks. Like I'm a comic book nerd. I always grew up, like Yo-Yo is kind of influenced by comic books. So there's this one from this like Marvel comics editor called Tom Brevoort. Right, it's kind of random, and somehow, like, I, I found out about it. He, he talks about, like, I guess he's been an editor at Marvel Comics for the last 30 years, and so he just talks about like comic books. <laughs> and, and for some reason, I find that fascinating, and uh, so that's the one I do. As far as uh, other publications, I, I, I read the New Yorker magazine and uh, Mojo Music, it's like a British music magazine. Which I, I think it's awesome. I subscribe to that, and I, I get the print issue. It comes, it comes with a CD every month, but I, I don't have anywhere to put in a CD anymore. You know? So. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I don't really even have a CD player. I know it's it's like the laptops used to have a spot for them, but now I know my cars used to have a spot for them, and and I'm like, damn, I have all these CDs. I bet you go to like Target, you can't even find a CD player. Like, anyway, but uh, yeah, that's great. Um, also, I was curious. So you're someone who studies characters. I'm someone who studies characters. Uh, what do you think defines character? Like, what makes a character a character? It's like an Ooh, open-ended. That's but, a good yeah. question. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess. I mean, I guess it's their history and their personality, right? I mean, I I think it's it's what shaped them and how they behave. What they're things. committed to as well. Uh, yeah, well, commitments can come and go, I think, right? I mean, I, yeah, I, I get in an argument with my wife all the time. She's, she's a therapist, and I say people can't change. You are who you are. And she, she obviously, her, her life revolves around helping people change, and, and your life, too. But I, I feel like you are who you are. Like, in a weird way, like, I, I see my, I remember, <laughs> with this is kind of a long story, I'll try to make sure this, my, my car died and this guy was telling me when my daughter was young and, and my, my brother you met, his wife's dad picked me up. It was somewhere in Central Florida. And he was telling me, oh, your, your kid is exactly who they were when they were a baby. And, and, uh, and he was right. My, my daughter is who she was when she was two months old and she is at nine. And maybe, maybe she'll change. I, I, we like to feel we change, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we are who we are. Maybe we're fully formed when we come out of the womb. Well, uh, I'm not sure what to say about that one. I think, well, I was like a huge, like anti, I was, I had social anxiety like crazy in uh -huh. school. And obviously like that became my, uh, my founding flaw, like my personal legend. If you've read The Alchemist, uh, you know, that was my personal legend that made me desire, want to be the most connected motherfucker for giving me on the planet. Like, like that's what drives me. And that's why I live in the center of South Beach. That's why I'm starting a podcast network. And that's why, yeah, I, I dream big because I was like blocked from being connected. Like I always lived on the margins. Like my family was always far from school. Oh. I didn't have a car. My mom had to drive me everywhere. Like it was just painful. So I think I'll say this, like, you know, 
can people change? Can they not? But I'd say in an overall character arc of someone's life, it's usually the the pain that really shapes someone in the beginning that drives them to get rid of that thorn in their side and, and, and maybe make it a strength of theirs, right? Because um, as we know, you know, you tear, no pain, no gain. You, muscle is all about muscle tear and then muscle build. So I think, you know, whatever your thorn is in your side in your youth does end up sometimes becoming your strength. Um, and so, you, you know, you wonder, I'm, I'm someone who actually focuses deeply on transformation, right? And like my, my life coaching, like three months seasons, like transformation. Um, and so I, I do believe people can change. I think there's a degree of openness you have to, an, an energy that has to be there infused. Um, but like, what is transformation but an energy infusement that leads to, uh, you know, a, a big change, right? And so... I, I guess I would, I would, I'll be your devil's advocate. I, mm -hmm. I think people can change. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think they need to be opened up to it with tremendous energy, though. Well, they say, I don't know if this is true. I read this, I've taken it as fact, that every seven years, every cell in your body is different from seven years. Oh, from yeah, your skin is constantly regenerating. Yeah. Like, I'm about to do a three-day fast, which I do four times a year for longevity. And that that also, the autophagia, like, basically kills it helps you clear out all your dead cells. Your stomach microbiome completely resets. Um, so you can actually take, you can force yourself into a little suffering so that you don't have, a, a, you, I, I don't believe you can live life without any suffering. Like the universe will always kind of fuck with you. But I think you can set up these checkpoints and uh, I, I call them, you know, pit stops. Like it's part of my book kind of, I have like a formula one metaphor for my book uh, where you, if you set up your own pit stops with these habits of gratitude of this that, um, you don't fall into the pitfalls. You don't okay. you don't get you don't you don't blow up. You don't this that because you're actively setting up pit stops for yourself, right? And so, you know that's something where yeah, I think it's it's beautiful. The human body, the science, it's it's, it's fascinating, man. And I never get tired of reading about science of wellness and honestly, like the detail and, and the intelligence of our bodies is is really amazing and. Um, but yeah, I think we are constantly changing, I guess, you know, in a way our, our, our skins, everything is, is new. Uh, it's being re renewed. Yes. Yeah, so I guess we do change. <laughs> I guess we do. I mean, physically, I guess, I guess physically. we all know people who are closed. Yeah. So I'm someone who wonders how to open people to more generosity, yeah. how yeah. to open people, you know? And I think writers often open people if, if they can get into the brain of someone, true, right? If they true. can get into the, uh, but not enough people read these days, man. Like, how do you think? So yeah. part of my book, my book's actually 50% um, of profits go towards childhood literacy efforts. Great. And so I've sold very few so far. I'm just being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the future, yeah. you know, maybe we talk yeah, about yeah. getting a, like a pamphlet or something out there. It shouldn't be too, too difficult. There's some good promos, some seminars from Simba. I think it can take off and uh, do a lot of good. And, and so... Actually, I would like to motivate more self-help authors to dedicate their their books to a cause. Um, it gives you some motivation while you're writing it, but also uh, well, all along the way, it, it kind of is infused. And I think there's a whole lot of fun projects in our lives that we can just take a stand and say, you know what? I have I'm so blessed. I have enough. I have all I need. Like this is a project that I love. I'm going to dedicate half to this cause. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I think more and more celebrities, artists could do that. Take a stand. All right, I'm, I'm going to call out James Clear. So it's funny, like, my fam gave me Atomic Habits for, like, my birthday at Christmas, the book. And I was like, oh, I already read this. Which okay. is true. Like, I, I, I had a phase. I mean, I, I read a little slower now, but I read a lot of self-help. You know, it's kind of like my, my space. And, um, well, you know, he gives 10% to charity. Great. Or 5%, 5%. But I'm like, yo, add a zero, man. <laughs> but no, the truth is, the more you believe in your ability to put out more and more content, yeah. the less you feel like you need to like get all of like everything out of that one book. You know? It's yeah. kind of a spirit of abundance. So you, you have to be in a spirit of saying, you know what? I love writing enough, and I'm, you know, I, I believe in my future enough that I'm going to keep pumping out this stuff. Yeah. I have faith. So why not outflow half of it to a good cause? Yeah, you know, like, for all or, or you know, like I mean, it's <laughs> nice to have a little reward, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. But I think, yeah, but, I mean, I think half is good. But anyway, like we should also, like you said, you were telling me when I came in, uh, the sharing economy. 
You were talking about the sharing economy about, I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, how possessions versus now how easy it is to rent things. You know, look, I mean, it goes back to Jesus, all that. You know, I'm not the first one to tell people to give up their possessions, but what's new today is that you can take a freaking Uber, you can freaking rent a helicopter, you can freaking do whatever you want on the renting, sharing economy. And, like, that is, like, just a game it's like it's an it's a it's a no-brainer to basically offload these concerns it's kind of interesting right it's like a capitalist communism you know what i mean right it's like it's like communism. we're all sharing these things we're all sharing these cars we're all sharing these boats we're all sharing these apartments but there's like the exchange of capital to get them it's kind of interesting <laughs> well i'd say this so i um there's something about uh when you when you do use leverage the sharing economy you are also outsourcing the maintenance of these things, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. Like, when you do have possessions, it doesn't mean you have to maintenance them, you know. You have a boat, now you got to worry about when you're going to clean your boat, you know. And, yeah. and so to live a truly rich life is to actually enjoy your budgeting, is what I really, it's one of the biggest tricks, is to really enjoy, like for me, I have a Saturday budget now, which is conditional upon certain things in my week, like my games that I play, like my, like my, my living. And that budget is fun. It's variable. It's something I can, I can book a lot of things with that, uh, with that budget. Nice. And so yeah, you said you're going to Brazil. You're going. To yeah, Brazil. I mean, yeah. Look, look, like the way you can just book things. The, the key is to not weigh yourself down. And actually, today on SR, SRF Sundays when, when I eat lunch, I like to watch a self-realization fellowship. They have YouTube chats, and uh, they had a beautiful. Um, well, they, well, they actually talked about. Uh, the joy of downsizing. So they talked about a woman who had a lot of houses and places, and she asked herself, uh, what parts of these houses do I actually really enjoy? And like she had specific spots in the house that she would actually use. And then there was so much waste. There was so much junk that she wasn't using. And she realized, what if I find, what if I design a house where it's like bare bone everything I need, like everything that I liked from these all these places is all together minimal, you know. And uh, with that, well, anyway, when you simplify your life, you simplify your concerns essentially. So it's it's something that I, I hope to uh, you know help guide a lot of celebrities in simplifying their lives and dedicating themselves to causes. Now, what happens is pleasure. I gotta say, like. Uh, you know, I'm someone who studies brain chemistry and all these pleasure chemicals and everything. So, um, yeah, when you are, when you are, and I, I guess enough smiles, enough screenshots might prove it. But like, like when you do live a life of purpose and service and gratitude and prayer and all that, you you are rewarded. And uh, you know, like I don't know how to tell, I don't know how to motivate people other than to show them constantly the smiles, like. I have actually a new, I have rates I come up with all the time. So rates, so uh, one of my favorite mantras is, is uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a rate that makes a game or something. Anyway, when you notice, uh, uh, it's numbers that make something technically gamified. Uh, you have to put a number on it, right? Okay. And so that way you're tracking it. It's up or down. You, then you notice what, uh, what affects uh, the up or down, right? So, you know, basketball, oh, like, you know, what did you do well to, to make that shot? Or, or why did your team win that uh, that day? Like, what were the adjustments that you made and whatever? Like, anyway, when you when you set actual rates for things, you allow yourself to notice up or downs. And, um, well, one thing is, like, the smile rate. And also, uh, one thing about is a shared uh, reciprocated laughter rate is one of my things on my podcast. All right. Um, and I have a joke rate, like, number of laughs per day. <laughs> But the beauty of all my rates is I really don't care about tracking them too much, but I do enjoy noticing them go up or down and noticing like signs of like, oh, that's like, there's, a, if I'm, if this is happening a lot, this is a sign of like, this is like, so I have one of my rates for, rates is just whatever I say. Like, so like, uh, no one knows what's going to happen. Like I say that sometimes. Okay. Because the truth is life yeah, is completely knows. spontaneous. Like, well, maybe someone does know. I don't know. I'll tell I'd you like now. I'll person. tell you absolutely. No, 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 no. no. I'm here to tell everyone <laughs> it's completely uncertain. Like yeah. everyone, like, like, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm sorry. I, I've kind of reached a certain amount of top of, of knowledge and, and it's all spontaneous. Like there's probabilities, you know, it's all wetware. It's, it's all, but you know, nature doesn't know numbers. Um, but what it does know is 
you know, it's it's uh, momentums and uh, uh, probabilities are, are real. So, yeah, there's probabilities of certain things, but there's absolutely no, like, um, would, what do you say, destiny. Or would like, you want to know? Would you want to know everything that's going to happen? No. No. Oh, yeah. The okay. most enjoyable thing is to not know and to yeah. be in wonder and awe and watching things happen. So, also, yeah, basically nothing is predestined. No one knows for sure what's going to happen. And, for example, the way I look at the world, the way my brain works is like, yeah, the, the, the number of times per day that I say no one knows what's going to happen is a sign that I'm opening myself to a lot of possibilities. Like, like uh, It's a sign that there's a lot of uncertainty coming my way. And I'm open to it. And okay. so, like, like, for example, that's just, like, a sign of things. And, like, here's one joke at the Gruts. Like, like I say this sometimes, like, because this is from Bruce Almighty. Like, uh, the way the cookie crumble. Like, like, when I'm really happy, I just go, the way the cookie crumble. Because Dave Grutman loves cookies. And, like, also, it's, like, a Bruce Almighty thing. But, like, for me, it's, like, for when I'm feeling in the air, like, the vibrations, like, when I say that, Something's going on in Miami. Like a lot of celebrities are like going to uh, all the like okay. rest restaurants and things. Like yeah, it's just like look, about, we're, yeah. we're sentient beings. We feel vibrations upon our heart, and uh, when you become really, really sensitive, yes, you can set your own rates. You say, hey, when I do this, okay. So most of my rates, I go, okay, this is the rate, and I set an ideal for the rate. I say, ideally a lot, ideally a few, ideally five, ideally this. How many laughs per day? Ah, oh, ideally 50. Or else, or else my shockers are disturbed. Because guess what? When you laugh, it does disturb the, the, the very precious, uh, uh, how you say, like, like spiritual energy is, uh, is uh, tender and, and, very, and, and sensitive. So too much laughter does disturb you a bit from good sleep, from a lot of things. It disturbs yeah. the chakras. So turns out I set an ideal for laughs of 50. That's what I said. There you go. But, but do you force yourself to laugh? No, you... no, 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 okay, no. Okay. But like, I do notice uh, an ideal, and I notice that I, every conversation I have, I tend to have very, very many. So it's it's, it's a realistic goal. Yeah. If, you, if you're um, not laughing, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's no fun if you're not laughing, right? I mean, it... so anyway, with every hey, with every there. rate, you can it's set an ideal. Idea. You can set an ideal yeah. average, right? But you can also say, oh, if that is increasing. It's a sign of this is going on in my life. What about crying? Do you, do you qualify that? Do you quantify that too? I do have a, I have a journal of uh, tears of joy and tears of sadness. And, um, you know, it's inevitable. But, yeah, I, I do have a diary of those. And okay, I record wow. them. Wow. And, yeah, um, I'll say smoking weed is inverse to crying generally. It fades you a bit too much for that. You don't cry when you get high. No, not as okay. much. No, but... Um, Anyway, you don't want to force tears. Uh, I know some actors try to, but I think, yeah, I, I think the more I do track, technically I track a ton of things, but I'm the, I'm the guy who tracks the least of things when it comes to, like, wearing watches and trackers and, like, you know what I mean? You, you keep track in your head. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of things. Yeah. I'm very aware. But I don't necessarily want to, like, for example, one big lesson I, I have for people is to turn off that, that no tiff signal of your messages in your phone like like it's i call the the messages and uh -huh. the instagram i call yeah, them yeah. like birdie houses so yeah, yeah, yeah. no i don't, you know, I no, don't no, no. imagine like yeah. before phones we act and, and even the it kind of goes back to like like harry potter but like we would there was a space in time in history where we would actually send imagine it's beautiful we would send right, messages with birds oh yeah. right we, we taught, no, I think it's... Someone was talking about it. Did it's that not really just happen? Harry Potter. Pigeons no, no, no. would actually send it. Yes, yeah. pigeons were sent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, imagine, like, it used to be, okay, it could be pigeons, it could be couriers, like, like you know, all parts of the world had different ways of sending messages, right? But... How did they know like, where to go? Forget the method of transportation. Okay, okay. What I'm telling you is, like, the, met, the, 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 the messages exchanges uh -huh. would happen at a slower rate, yeah, far yeah, slower. Yeah, yeah. So... We weren't constantly being distracted by this, that, like, so one of the biggest lessons you can take from Simba is to turn off your no tiffs um, and, 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 like, enjoy the space between the checks. I mean, when you have a family and kids that need you, that's a different thing. And when you're on duty, but when you're not necessarily, like. Turn off the Instagram. It's great. Turn to, off the Instagram. Yeah, turn off the no tiffs. As many no tiffs as possible, yeah. turn off. Because there's a great joy that, that comes from 
uh, being timeless and, and not being distracted constantly, right? So you know what I love to do? I love to just leave my cell phone at home. <laughs> oh, I, oh, that's, actually, that's here great, one of my biggest things. We're like, you, we play basketball. We're playing yeah. basketball. You never said we're all. I leave my phone. I didn't have my phone. 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 You had to yeah. find me online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, that's one of my. It's in my book actually. Is yeah. Try to find like a two, three hour stretch every day where you leave your phone behind and do something like good. Like when I go to the beach, I leave my phone. Yeah. Behind. And when I go oh, out to Miami Beach, half the time I'm not having my phone. And turn it off before you go to sleep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do too. But like. Finding those times where you put away your phone and go out in the world with your house keys is beautiful. It's a lesson. I don't know. We're, we're reaching the hour point. Okay, so, cool. All right. Usually we close it out. Um, so you're now officially, you're a local voice, this character. You're local forever voice. immortal. Uh, hey. Your story is shared. And we'd love to learn more about what makes you you, what gives you the energy. Uh, what is some one of your like good habits, like morning habits, something like that that you can share? I, I don't have any. I, I wish I did. Um, what primes you to Wait, write? What's one I should have? Um, how do you how do you prime great writing? Like you know, how do I I, I tell myself I'm a failure if I don't write? <laughs> is that okay. is that good or is that bad? I, I don't know. Um, no, either I'm inspired to do it or I or or I tell myself, hey, you're a fuck up if you don't if you don't take advantage of this time right now and, and write. So th- those are the two ways. Either I'm inspired or I uh, I uh, self-flagellate. I self-flagellate. I have an idea. I have something in my head going through my head. I'm like, oh, that'll be great. That'll be funny. That'll be moving. That'll be interesting. And I just uh, okay. How do you get your best idea? Is there anything actionable like a routine that other people that can you do that, yeah, that we can learn from? Uh, I'd say the two things for anyone who's going to be a writer is one, make the time to sit down and write, and make sure you you do write. You don't uh, you know watch YouTube videos or or uh, whatever. Check your email. You know, sit down and write. I, I used to back in the day, I would I would write on pen and paper first, and then type it down. But now I, I I type it first. And the other thing is, is put yourself in as many interesting situations as you can, like this. Like I didn't know you, and you're like, hey, come over for some chili and do a podcast. And uh, and I think we've had a pretty interesting night. And uh, you know, if, if I if I closed off, I wouldn't come. And you know, you you leave yourself so uh, closed off to perhaps inspiration, conversation, uh, or other ideas. So, so I say always always keep yourself open to talk to strangers, I guess, are mm. the two main things. Uh, I, I found that, that helped me out as far as inspiration is just uh, discipline and and, uh, and conversation, I guess. That's key, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah when, you, when you set, when you uh, commit to those times and also the discipline about respecting that time, you know, and not using it for other things. Um, I think that's very key. Uh, as a writer, do you have a certain writing fuel, like a coffee or like what's your go-to? Like, Dude, I think it's just like a refrigerator with snacks that I can keep going up to and grabbing granola, <laughs> grabbing, you know, making some quick toast with, with uh, peanut butter on it, you know, just like chowing down, you know, like. So you're, not, you're not peanut butter jelly, you're just straight peanut butter guy? Once in a while, I get a little crazy. I a little jelly on it. But yeah, usually it's the peanut butter. Usually I got to get the peanut butter in the toast, the peanut butter on the bagel. Yeah. Yeah. No, That's I'm good. sure yeah. you have your own rituals too, right? Yeah. yeah, what's, yeah. The, what's one of your funkiest rituals? I mean, that's basically what I'm asking. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my funkiest, uh, um, I, I guess, uh, this is really funky. Sorry, this is TMI, too much information. No, we already said a few swears on it. Okay. It might okay. be an explicit No, so. this, is, <laughs> this is TMI. I guess, I guess, uh, my, my funkiest ritual is, uh, I, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> no, 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 hey, no, we're here. It's gonna be, you, you threw yourself in there. It depends on the people. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you intrigued. I'll leave the no, audience no, no, no. out hey, there hey, intrigued. I'll leave it no, out please, there. Please, please. Um, I, right. I, I make myself vulnerable all the freaking time. All right, so. all right. I'll leave myself vulnerable. Is every time after I number two, I take a shower. That's my funkiest ritual. Wow. <laughs> so you plan that before your showers then ideally right like yeah you've yeah. turned you found it into your lifestyle that, that's my ritual yeah. i'll share you guys a, f- a funny tmi, TMI. I'll, I'll match okay. you all right, all right, all right. hey anyone anyone who comes on yeah. the pod who shares something vulnerable i'll share something vulnerable um so actually my mountaintops in my week what i define now is i have three mountaintops i have a uh, an Yunque mountain top. I have a Rio de Janeiro mountain top, and I have a Pride Rock, LA, you know, Griffith Park mountain top. Because they're near the ocean, all of them, and whatever. We went over this, but 
Um, what's funny is about in my week, what makes a mountaintop are the days or moments where I poop and then I share a video longer than a minute. Okay. Because I found that, like, the, I find the pooping makes me more pure. Like, it, it does, for something, I think, it, it's something I've noticed by being very sensitive, but I think I'm someone who's kind of like someone who shares a lot of my face out there. And uh, I think you do peak your purity right after a poop. Like, okay, you drop yeah, out a lot. Yeah, it yeah, makes you sense, feel free, right? You're open. You're and there's like, actually, yeah. all right, here's one last funny thing now we're sharing crazy stuff. I have rates, right? One of the, and they're endless, the rates. And, and one of the rates is called uh, uh, the, light, the light rate. And that's actually the number one rate for enlightenment. And guess what it is? Pooping. The number of seconds you spend on the toilet. Okay, so you need less time or more so, time? So the less time you spend on the toilet, the more enlightened you are. Yeah, it's So it's it. actually yeah. truth. It's yeah. actually the truth. And so I'm someone who poops generally after my jogs, like my runs. So then you're quick, That's what huh? shakes it out, and then it goes out real fast. Like, and I feel like Krishna on the toilet, and I'm like, boom. Go. All right, that was wild. But I'll tell you, that's actually science. That's true. It's because everyone knows the opposite of someone who has to wake up and, and read a magazine for an hour on the toilet. Like, is that how you want to start your freaking day every day? Like, that's my tough ritual. Sorry, we went to some weird yeah. places. We're not. I, I rarely edit nothing, but um, how can we end on a better note? So uh, consider, <laughs> consider you've had some fun. The chili was good. Chili was great, man. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on being there very quickly on the toilet at, later. All right, let's get off the toilet. Okay, okay, so, okay, all right. Hey, this is Lance. It's all about purity. Um, but uh, yeah. Any, anyway, I think I think it's only gonna get. It can, can only go. This. No, no, no. It can only only go up from here, and that's what I love. But uh, um, you know, when J Lo comes on, we're not gonna talk about poop. Maybe so. she's known for her derriere. But everyone gets a J Lo treatment, so you get a J Lo treatment, Thank and you. Uh, we're gonna end on a good note, okay? And uh, on that note, so considering you had a good time, the chili was good. Um, considering you've interviewed a lot of cool people. Um, Who's like some characters that uh, might be good candidates for the podcast? Like, who loves my? Because like artists come through town, a lot yeah. of artists come through town. But who's actually who do you know has like who loves Miami, who lives here? Oh, like of the artists that you interview, like are there any like give me two or three that we can maybe musicians just get on the podcast? Um, yeah, man, you you want musicians? I yeah, guess, sure. Pretty much. Um, yeah, you know it's funny. I got interviewed recently, um, and they asked me the same question: who who in Miami? Can introduce um and I, I i said this guy eric garcia who he writes i, I also had this blog jitneybooks.com i edit the blog and eric's contributed quite a bit he's a local musician and he he recently did a uh, blues opera uh so he's he's like a blues guy he plays with his band juke and he plays solo shows he's, he's a fun guy he, he likes he likes he had a storytelling night too so he mm -hmm. might be a good talker um and then this other guy he, he published with jitney books he was a drummer too at one point, but he um, he took over the storytelling night, and his, his last name is also Garcia. They're not related. Luis Garcia. He, he's very interesting. We sell his books. He uh, he was in prison for many years, and he learned to become a writer in jail. So he might he may he might be a good guest. I mean, yeah, especially because I have a you know a, a goal to spread the books over there uh, for the inmates. Um, what about like some of your more high profile stars, man? <laughs> okay, you want some big timers. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's see who who in Miami. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, mostly the high profile ones. I, I go through publicists, but I know the guy. Um, what's his name? Jerobi. Like I was telling you, Tribe Called Quest. Tribe Called Quest. I was just about to ask. Yeah, Tribe. I love Tribe Called Quest. He Quest, has so. a night. I mean, you can you can find him on Instagram. He's Miami based. He yeah. lives in Miami and at one eight hundred Lucky, this uh, like Asian place in uh, Wynwood. He uh, DJs once a week, I think Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So you can maybe go over there and ask him. And he was, excuse me, he was cool with interviewing. Um, when I interviewed him, he was, he was a personable guy. And he had, he had great stories. I mean, he was there for the beginning of hip hop. You know, he was there with De La Soul, one of the guys recently passed away. There's a lot, a lot of great old school rappers live here. I, I think another member of De La Soul lives here. Um, you know, maybe maybe you can go after uh, Uncle Luke, Luke Campbell from Two Live Crew. He used to have a column in uh, the New Times. Um, I, I, what other kind of music are you into? You're, oh, I listen to a lot of rap. I listen to like salsa, Latin music, okay, electronic. I, I'm very very diversified in my music taste. I'll so. keep my I'll keep my uh, ears open. I'll, I'll I'll brainstorm now when. when uh, 
speak if I can sure connect yeah, yeah. we'll have a chance um, either way it's gonna be a fun season so looking forward uh, thank you for being the first one and uh, yeah it's been a little drought and uh, hey we're looking to you know I guess uh, encapsulate great characters and their with their essence and uh, showcase their uh, their life you know forever you have a recording of your life have you been yeah, interviewed like you. this before or no uh I don't think on video, no. <laughs> no? We did oh, I haven't shared your, your uh, quirkiest habit like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't talk about my bowel movements, no. In, in any other, I didn't think yeah. you were going to go there, man. I thought you had something. I, uh, I stopped myself, and then you were like, like my mom's pushing gonna, me. My like, mom's okay, going to listen right, to this. Right, let's make this but... interesting. Your mom's going to? Absolutely. Right. Well, then yeah, she's yeah. really going to tell you you're wasting your life. <laughs> well, no. no I'm just kidding. We'll <laughs> see if she even gets this far in the episode. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But... Uh... <laughs> Either way, it was a pleasure. Uh, yeah, this is my you. favorite thing to do, so thank awesome, you for man. giving thank me you. the chance to, uh, you know, flex my purpose in, in a way. And uh, now we're freaking neighbors, so yeah, looking yeah. forward to playing more ball. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, good, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. Awesome. Hug it out. Yeah, I was yeah, hug, right, it out. Right. hug it out. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, brother. <laughs>